Ah, the smell of perfect pizza. The carpet of wet leaves on the sidewalk. Ambulances and traffic running 24-7. Intimidatingly fashionable outerwear. New York City is one of my favorite cities in the world, and there's no better time to be there than the fall. I mean, have you seen When Harry Met Sally? Come on. And how much more beautiful will all of our cities be when they're perfected in the love and the grace of God? But how shall they know about his grace unless someone tells them? What better place, what better time to come and refresh yourself on the art and craft of preaching than New York in November? Register now for Preaching in a Post-Christian Age. This is a three-day Living Church conference in the heart of Manhattan where you can enjoy world-class keynotes, conversations with experts, warm fellowship with other Christian leaders, and hone your skills as a preacher of God's Word. And we might have dinner at a speakeasy, just saying. Tickets start at just 50 bucks. Find more information at livingchurch.org forward slash events or click the link in the show notes today. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. October 15th. That means you have a little bit more than a month to prepare for Thanksgiving. I'm just letting everybody know that it's coming. And if you need to talk to your therapist, increase your dosage. Talk to your priest, say more prayers, Mm. uh, do your mindfulness to uh, have positive feelings towards difficult people, whatever it is, just letting you know it's coming. Uh, This is, this is, um, it's October, but we all know that the stores are full of Christmas stuff and, uh, but also Halloween's coming. So it's like a mishmash of things. Uh, And it is a busy season, just naming it as we talked about last week, church, it's It's either in or about to be in stewardship season. Just a lot happening. And you also still have to prepare a sermon and preach and try to share the gospel with your people and hopefully with yourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to try to talk about today. Um, Jake, anything you'd like to tell our listeners about yourself? Anything you'd like to come (laughs) clean about? Um, Any embarrassing personal stories you'd like to share? You said you wouldn't do that before this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> well, I wanted to catch you by surprise just to get the emotional rawness, yeah, the authenticity right. in whatever you say. Yeah, that's good. No, I don't got anything to share that dark. But anyway. <laughs> I just keep that pretty close to the vest. So that's anyway, right. but how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I am, uh, to quote Dolly Parton, and this is not, I'm not trying to be ableist, but uh, she said it, so if you don't like it, blame her. But I love I'm the fact that you're one, worried about that. I really... Busier than a, busier than a one-armed paper... paper one-armed paper hanger is what she said. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, I'm that's in true. all those things that I just talked about. And um, I think, uh, yeah, it's just it's just uh, kind of running the gauntlet as we as we go here. But I think a lot of things to be thankful for and a lot of good things going on too. So feeling, and I will say, you know, uh, October in Texas means that it finally, the weather is like good now. Yeah, you it's, guys uh, are in like the low 90s. <laughs> 
that's right. That's right. That's right. We're wearing socks again. Yeah, crazy right. things crazy. like that. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nice. Um, we don't. We're not getting baked by the sun so long all day, mm. so the Earth has a chance to cool at night. And it's it's nice. You contemplate wearing chinos. So anyway, but... <laughs> I'm like I might put on pants. Yeah. But... Nah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's let's dig into these texts for track two, uh, mm-hmm. proper twenty three, um, and uh, we've got Exodus thirty two. No, 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 Isaiah twenty five. No, 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 Isaiah twenty five one through. I was nine. thinking as we were looking and at then, this, I was like, we must have been a glutton for punishment going down track two. But anyway, I know. No, no, no it's, good, no, it's good. good. You gotta hit the prophets. It's good. Yeah, um, Philippians 4, 1 through 9, as we finish up that letter of the Apostle Paul. And then um, continuing the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 22, another uh, another parable, um, this time at a wedding, which is, it's it's a great parable. So we, let's start with this Isaiah 25. We were in Isaiah 5 last week. Now we're in Isaiah 25 this week. And this, uh, you know, last week was sort of this prediction of... Um, judgment and destruction and at this point it's almost sort of like that has already happened um he's he's saying uh the ple- the palace of aliens is a city no more and that is referring to the fact that they have been conquered by these outside powers this is not a reference to area 51 aliens mm-hmm. this is not talking about uh you know i don't know the the people that built the pyramids as a fueling station mm-hmm. for their interstellar crafts this is uh foreigners this is people who are not who not jewish people who came in and um destroyed um israel and took the city of jerusalem and and built their outposts so he's saying the palace of aliens is a city no more like basically all that has been cleared out um and you're restoring all things and so this is a song of praise um but what's interesting is that the 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 prophet here goes from uh, just uh, talking about how how you know it's it's good that the the aliens are gone. The noise of the aliens was like heat in a dry place. It was the worst. It was the worst. And but now it's gone. But now it's not saying we're going to rebuild and make it just for us. We're going to rebuild and we're going to circle the wagons. We got rid of the invaders and now it's just back to the good old days of just us. Made Israel great again. Just us. Just the real true Israelites here. He's saying no. On this mountain, the Lord of Hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. It's this great vision of this um, kind of restoration of all things. And it's a party. And this actually, by the way, is the passage that's uh, one of the readings often used in Episcopal funerals. It's one of the, the readings appointed in the prayer book. Um, this, uh, this That death will be destroyed. God will wipe away the tears from all faces. Um, this, this shroud that's cast over all peoples, death, that will be swallowed up forever. So you go from this very um, concrete kind of historical reality with Israel and the geopolitical uh, back and forth of that time to this vision that is fulfilled in Christ, um, death being destroyed mm-hmm. and all tears being wiped away. So there's a lot you can say about that. Uh, that that preaches for a lot of folks because people definitely live with grief. I mean, there's so much grief from the pandemic and from all kinds of stuff, just in general human life um, that we all deal with. And uh, God is saying he will He will restore all things. So I think this is an eminently preachable Old Testament passage if you want to do it. Jake, what would you add? Yeah, I would probably like, I mean, hit on all of those things, but you got like three or four really amazing points that pop right out of here and uh, really show that God has always been concerned with um, with insiders and outsiders since the beginning and uh, that this has always pointed to a heavenly banquet that is hosted by um, his wonderful son, 
Jesus. And so, you know, it, begin, it begins with like, you know, they're singing a song of praise. And why? Well, because God's done wonderful things. And uh, these aren't new ideas. These aren't new plans. This isn't the new thing the Spirit's doing. But um, uh, uh, these plans are formed of old and they're faithful and sure. You know what I mean? The gospel has been plan A since the beginning. And uh, this has uh, been God's plan to save the whole world. And it is faithful and sure. And uh, and so, and it's this amazing thing where he is taking care of the, the, the refuge and the poor, the needy and their distress. Uh, what is he, it like really articulates who he is. Um, and that, you know, actually ruthless people, ultimately, they think they're in charge now, but pretty soon they will fear him. But, uh, and that's because he's the refuge, not to the people who are basically good folks getting better or, you know, kind of got this, you know, but need God to do the rest. Um, there, it's a refuge for the needy in their distress and a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. And, um, and ultimately, this is all boiling down to a wonderful supper where uh, God is going to serve a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. And that's a very important thing because in those days especially, I mean, in times of great siege, nobody uh, had uh, amazing food all the time. You had like probably like, you know, yeah, di dinner sucked for the most part. And so, unless you were a king, but this is pointing to a heavenly banquet. And how do we know it's pointing to a heavenly banquet? Well, because um, he will destroy on his mountain, which ultimately is Calvary, uh, the shroud that is cast over all people. He will destroy on his mountain, which is ultimately Golgotha, the sheet that is spread over all the nations. And he will destroy on his mountain uh, Calvary uh, on the cross. Uh, swallow up death forever because death thought it swallowed him up but could not hold him. And therefore, because of the resurrection of Jesus, this great king uh, that has never been plan A, but has been part of that form of old and faithful and sure, uh, God wipes away every tear on our face. And that like foreshadows that idea that happens in Revelation, you know, and uh, every tear is taken away and the disgrace of the people are taken away and the Lord has spoken. And uh, he is mighty to save. And, uh, and so uh, we can wait patiently for him and be glad and rejoice in our salvation. And really, that is what Christian hope is all about. The idea that you have, you are, and you will be saved. Yeah. And uh, by the way, the psalm for track two this Sunday is Psalm 23. So it's very amazing. much, uh, you know, all those things. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death with Julio, I shall fear no evil for you're with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort mm -hmm. me. You spread a table before me. In the, yeah. So what this a, idea. What this a ridiculous feast. place to spread a table. You know, I know. in the presence but, of my enemies. But it's the same kind of idea. This, this feast mm. that God prepares for God's people. So uh, a lot of connections there. So Philippians 4, 1 through 9, uh, Paul ending this letter, uh, landing the plane as it was, and we learned that one of the things that's been on his mind throughout this entire letter has been a fight that's been happening among um, the, uh, the Sunday school leaders at the church in Philippi. So he says, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companions, meaning everybody else in Philippi, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my coworkers. So there's clearly some sort of spat, some friction between Euodia and Syntyche. And it just shows how in touch of a pastor Paul was. You know, he's this great theological mind. He's the Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, founder of churches, but he's also, he really wants these women who have been 
co-laborers working with him in the gospel, which, you know, we could get into a sidetrack about women in ministry. But here he's saying, like, I want you to be um, reconciled uh, because for Paul, who believes that, you know, this whole thing in, in Christ is the reconciliation of all people with one another and with God, he wants it to be true in the church as well. So um, just a very specific um uh, real world down to earth kind of thing with with Paul and then of course he goes into his closing do all these you know he, he always kind of ends his letters with all these uh, descriptions of the fruit of the spirit what does it look like when you're a Christian gentleness and not worrying and um, you know letting your request be known to God when you are anxious mm -hmm. and and this beautiful thing the piece of which we, I say at the end of every service I don't know what you say Jake I think you say like play ball or something yeah, like that right. but at the end of every service I say you know the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds and uh, which and this is where where it comes from. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what would you say about this Euodia and Syntyche uh, situation here? Well, I would say uh, exactly what you did. I mean, you know, uh, the church is not exempt from uh, quarrels and and uh, and uh, scraps and schism at all. And uh, um, but Paul wants to. And but but schism and scrapping oftentimes happens when the main thing no longer becomes the main thing. And what is the main thing? Well, uh, it's the work of the gospel. And he's just trying to remind them, you know. Uh, and that's the thing that we always forget is that, you know, we think it's all about uh, what we're doing. And we become human doings as opposed to human beings, as they say. And, you know, Paul like is like, hey, man, remember, do the work of the gospel, which is preach and teach and, and administer the sacraments. And, uh, and remember the fact that ultimately it's not about what you're doing, ladies, you know, which causes the divide, but that our names are in the book of life. And that is ultimately what can cause a person to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. And uh, that becomes because we've been given everything. Our names, our, our, uh, our, our salvation is secure in this plan that it allows us to let our gentleness be known. I mean, the Lord is near. And I love what he says. Do not worry about anything. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. It's stewardship. You know what I mean? How are we going to pay the bills? But uh you know, uh, but it is this, the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is the knowledge that, man, um, God is on the throne and uh, he loves you. And uh, and it's his perfect will to give you the kingdom. And so, and you can like rest in that and, uh, and rejoice in that. And so, uh, and then that allows me not to worry about my own crap and all the things that I have to do today and all the ways, you know, you and I, like Udiah and Satyki are fighting. But um, embrace that which is honorable and true and, and whatever's pleasing and commendable. Like, think about those things. And uh, gosh, that's amazing. And that's Jesus Jesus for you and uh, and the good news that he's died for you and, uh, you know, and the love that we have as brothers and sisters. And so this becomes the very thing that enables the peace of Christ to go forward as we're doing the work of the gospel together. But your names are in the book of life, and that is better news than anything you're doing out there for Jesus. Yeah, and, I, you know, I love where Paul says, you know, this line, whatever is true. Mm. Um you know, it is so often when I get in my own head and kind of stuck, it, I've often forgotten what's true. I've forgotten that I'm beloved. I've forgotten yeah. that God is in control. I've forgotten um, that I'm his precious child. And I think that's true for your congregation too. So, um, you know, sometimes this passage is, is read in such a way, again, 
we read the, these things like, you know, microwave instruction manuals. Like, okay, if I think <laughs> yeah. about what's true and honorable and just and pure, if I do these things and follow these steps, then uh, my rice will come out perfectly and, um, and I'll be a perfect Christian. So, you know, this is, this is not a Harry Potter magic spell. This is Paul saying, uh, come back to what is good and true and right. And this is what it means. Um, it kind of referenced to his earlier line in the in the passage in verse 2, um, be of the same mind in the Lord. Like he wants your mind to be set on things that, um, uh, you know, he talks about guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus up in that just, just before this. So he's, yeah, there's a lot of language here about um, keeping in mind uh, what what is actually true as opposed to what is false. Um, and I have to do this for myself all the time. And I think Paul is right that, and this is the job of the preacher to bring the congregation back once again to what is true. It's Jesus Christ. Um, this is not saying, you know, people, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, like think about these things. It's not saying only read Berenstein Bears and never read Stephen King. Like that's not what he's saying. Stephen King actually is a profound religious writer, in my opinion, as is the earlier Berenstein Bears. But I think the point is, this is about keeping your mind on the gospel. Um, as you said, Jake, like, you know, that your names are in the book of life. Like rest in that. Mm -hmm. If your names are in the book of life, if you're both in the same book, why, why, what is there to worry about? Yeah. And why are you going to be fighting with each other about, I don't know, whatever they were fighting about. So, uh, yeah, keeping that, that grounded nature of all things. Um, you're part, as we say at the end of our service, that you're, you have graciously accepted us and we're part of the mystical body of your son, Jesus Christ, the blessed company of all faithful people. I mean, it's the same kind of words ringing in your ears. Um, and that's, um, that's where it comes from. This peace is not some ex abstract feeling that we get. It's, it comes from knowing that, that you're in the book of life, that you're, or in other words, you're loved by God and totally forgiven. That's great. Well, Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, Jesus again with the parables. Now it's a wedding banquet. So, Jake, what's this one all about? There's fat calves. <laughs> I have huge calves. I do not neglect leg day, but that's not what it's talking about. <clears throat> Well, uh, so, yeah, this is a very, very powerful uh, parable that uh, really illustrates um, kind of what it's all about. So this first section uh, is, is Matthew, our gospel reading is the first section of uh, chapter 22. And uh, it's uh, affectionately known by some as the uh, parable of two kinds of wedding guests. And uh, this mm. parable... Powerful, uh, this parable is a powerful illustration of what we mean by invitation when God issues you an invitation. Uh, what we are not talking about is some sort of Facebook invitation or an invitation to a child's birthday party. I never forget, um, our Lord is a wonderful Savior, but he is also a Near Eastern Suceran King. And uh, when, <laughs> you know, uh, when he issues you an invitation, the answer is yes or you die. Uh, so there's no real choice in the matter here. And so hence the word invitation or call in this passage is the same word Paul uses in order to describe the effect or the power of the gospel. Finally, what does he call you to? And this is what it's like. Um, articulating too. Well, the joy of following Jesus is to a wedding party and a Middle Eastern wedding party nonetheless. I mean, those things go on and on and on and on. This is not an invitation to a funeral, but a, a call to a repentance to turn around and face God and uh, experience the joy of good news. And so this is uh, kind of, I would say, the substance of what this parable is all about. I think it's important to note that uh, 
the place where God is is seen as a great party. Um, there's a strong party ethic that runs mm-hmm. through the New Testament, and as you've seen in the in the Old Testament as well. You know, this whole both in Psalm 23 and in Isaiah 25 uh, from the earlier passage. You know, this great feast, um, and we see it here as well. The, the the call to be with God is a call to great rejoicing and um, to an incredible party with uh, an amazing DJ and a surprise guest appearance by Pitbull. I mean, it's going to be incredible. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, but these, and again, it must be like some people read this, uh, I think, um, too woodenly, too literalistically, um, this king that, you know, gets enraged and he kills all the people and whatever. And, and so just again, it is a parable. Um, and this is something where Jesus is, again, like Flannery O'Connor, trying to use strong language and really kind of shocking stories to get people's attention. <laughs> and he's saying, look, this is like, and it's it's all like in extremes. It's like, um, remember that version of Romeo and Juliet that uh, Baz Luhrmann filmed? Mm-hmm. Like everything was like so colorful and so extreme. And like, these are stories to get people's attention. Um, and that's what this is all about. So it's this story of exaggerated colors and characters and all that. So in these things would never happen in real life, but he's trying to illustrate something about God. So God's invited you to a party and who would, like, why would you not come to the great party of the king? Well, it's going to be amazing. The, the swag bag is going to be great. Yeah. Well, it's because ultimately, I mean, here's where, here's where, here's where it rubs up against our society. And this is where it's going to rub up against some of your parishioners. Um, uh, so you see this call that the king gives, it goes out far and wide and, uh, you know, the guests, uh, they, uh, they show up. And in those days, uh, one of the things was, is you didn't, you didn't wear your own clothes to the party. You wore what the king gave you, kind of like one of Puff Daddy's white parties out on Long Island. You know, you wore the white suit that he gave you. Uh, you just didn't show up on your own. You, you didn't wear your own yeah. thing. And um, and this is the big front in our society today. You know, we, we think that we're all telling our own story. But here's the thing. You will not be in the wedding banquet on your own identity. You will be in the wedding banquet based on the robes that he gives you, the identity of Jesus. And this is the good news of the God. This is the good news for those of us who, you know, have tried to like maintain a cool identity and appearance on social media and it's completely collapsed. And now I'm completely jealous of everybody else around me. You know what I mean? I mean, my identity is has run its course and it's short. This becomes good news that God gives you uh, your his clothes. God gives you the identity, the identity of his son, Jesus. You know, there's this great fear, I think, in our society of putting our identity in the hands of someone else. It must be me who determines who I am. I see this all the time here in New York City, and you probably see it wherever you're at. Uh, but this is this is a deception. Ultimately, mm. ultimately, self-definition, and we can see it across the board, it creates sorrow. And we live in a society where you define whatever you are, and you are supposedly more free than ever you've ever been. Yet we live in a society where there is more depression, more suicides, and you have to be completely closed-minded not to see the connection between this parable and where we are at today. And, you know, uh, uh, true joy and true worship doesn't spring forth from yourself it springs forth from a loving God who has called you despite yourself to a party and gives you an identity that is uh, eternally lasting. And that identity is love. That identity is mercy. That identity is grace. That identity is in the righteousness of Jesus himself. 
And, you know, that is the powerful, powerful thing. And so uh, that's ultimately the connection that you could make with, I think, uh, today in our society in this particular text and have a powerful sermon that will uh, leave people freaked out and comforted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, because identity, it's such a slippery thing, too. And um, if your whole world is based on uh, self-chosen identity, um, I mean, gosh, well, it just can be tricky. I think the, the there's a couple of things that, you know, you have only so much time to preach in a sermon. And so, you know, you want to try to say one or 1.5 things. Um, three. I think there's a couple of things that you could see. <laughs> one thing and three points or whatever. But I think um, one thing to, to say is the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. And the point is they were not worthy, not because they were like, you know, they were bad. Like they were invited. The only the thing the problem was them is they just didn't didn't come. Like they were worthy enough to be invited um because they were uh the object of the affection of the of the king. Um so their worthiness comes not from what they did in their lives or anything like that. It just comes from um the the the, the reason they're not worthy is just because they didn't come to the party. Yeah. Um they were worthy to get invited. They were worthy to get in the party. So the problem was just that they didn't show up. Um, but what I love about this, and this to me is some of the real gospel heart of it, go into the main streets, invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet, everyone. And, and they they underline this in verse 10. Matthew says, um, they gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, but both good and bad. God always wants to bring in, he wants to make the door wider, as wide as possible. Um, and many people think, you know, only the good people get in, but here it makes quite explicit the good and the bad because the king is the one that gives you the wedding robe. He's the one that clothes you with this um, gift of righteousness and forgiveness. So those things to me are so, so important. Um, and, you know, it, you almost see when when he noticed the man is not there with the wedding robe, they said, how'd you get here without one? He was speechless. You know, this is where he could have said, oh, uh, give me give me a robe. Like there's a sense in which this is, again, an offer to you know, return and repent, but he doesn't take it. So um, uh, I think there's some real beautiful stuff in here about the kinds of people that get invited. God does not go and think, who are the best people to invite? And those get invited to the party. He's like, who are the good and the bad? Like, I just want everybody to come in for this incredible feast, fatted calf and all that sort of stuff. So uh, the, the old hymn, there's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea is a little bit sort of what you see here that doesn't say go out in the street and invite the good people. It says get everybody. And that's that's how the gospel works. Well, indeed. Wedding feasts and fighting uh uh <laughs> fighting parishioners. And, yeah. Uh all the things of parish ministry. It's all it's all in here. Hmm. Um uh and uh, yeah, and of course um rich food filled with marrow, which I think I'm going to go have right now. Nice. A little bone little bone broth. Oh, that's good. Man. Good like for that. you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll see it for uh, this this uh, this Sunday, and um, we'll see you again next week. Till then, happy preaching and uh, and happy fall. God bless you all. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. 
And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.